0: As Wayne mentioned, this Advent season, this year at East Parkway, we're going to be going through a series that we're calling Discovering the Light of the World. Uh, Now when we talk about the light of the world, uh, we think of Christ, we think of salvation, uh, sacrifice, the truth revealed, new life, um, hope. And that's what we want through this series as we approach Christmas where we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded of the hope that we have in him. Uh, because it's through God that we can experience true joy, peace, and life. So that's where we're going. Uh, Today, we're going to be in Genesis, uh, because that's where all of this really begins. Sometimes, uh, I'll just say this of myself, maybe you are guilty of this too, I get caught up in a Christmas story that starts with Mary and Joseph and has a fixation on baby Jesus. Um, But I I think I, I risk missing a larger picture in the gospel, and so this Christmas story doesn't just begin at the, it uh, doesn't just start at the beginning of each gospel, but as seen in our theme of discovering the light of the world, the first introduction of light takes place in Genesis. So let's turn there now to Genesis uh, one. Genesis, which is a Hebrew word for beginning, so we're going to the beginning of all things. I want to work through today, thinking of the beginning of the world, this theme of light. I want to work through what the world looked like before, what does this light do, and uh, what does this tell us about God? I think these three questions and their answers will help us see and remember the larger picture this Advent season. Let's also remember that Genesis is not just the beginning of, of this book, but it's, the, it's, the be, it's our beginning. Um, we're a part of this story as well. And so this is our Genesis So let's step back into the beginning where God created the world. Uh, I'll go ahead and read Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day Let's pray God you are our creator and maker and as we open up your word this morning we pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to receiving your truth We know that your word brings brings life and we are thankful that you give us life freely We didn't deserve, we don't deserve your grace and your mercy, uh, but you continue to give day after day. Thank you for giving us our beginning, that we can know where we came from, that you created us for your glory in your image, and we know that you are good and what you do is good. God, we pray that you would be glorified this morning, and it's in you that we truly hope. And so we pray this in your name. Amen. Beginnings of things are exciting. I think that they um, uh, bring a sense of newness, a sense of freshness. Uh, It means possibility and opportunity. Beginnings bring life uh, and can mean something unknown. There's an element of awe and wonder. Many of my favorite authors have tried in their own worlds to write a beginning of sorts, and there's still a sense of mystery about how it all began. And I think our passage this morning has that um, sense of wonder going on. But before we get to what was created and what's new and fresh and wonderful, uh, and and we see that the world that we recognize today, uh, there was something before. And so this brings us to that first question, what was the world like before? Verse 2 says the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. This is not so exciting. This is a terrifying, more unsettling scene um, that the authors are trying to paint for us right here. And I'm going to geek out for a second and I'm going to teach you all a Greek phrase or a Hebrew phrase, I'm sorry, Hebrew. Uh, These words form uh, without form, void and darkness come from the Hebrew phrase tohu vavohu. Uh, if you students in here know this because I say it every week almost. At, yeah, Olivia's nodding. Uh, we're going through Genesis in our study and uh, I taught them this word. It's come to make a great Pictionary word. Um, <laughs> and just to let you know, I'm going to repeat it quite often this morning. So tohu vavohu, it's spelled T-O-H-U space V-A dash V-A. V-O-H-U. And it's this phrase that means chaos, void, darkness, uh, wilderness. Uh, we see this word tohu vavohu in Deuteronomy 32, uh, which is a poem about how God found Israel in the desert, a howling waste. And the, the, it describes a place that people could not survive without God's intervention or sustenance as we see God make the desert uh, habitable for the Israelites for 40 years through his provision. And so uh, this idea conveyed here is that life is not possible in Tohu Vavohu. Here in Genesis, it's a place of darkness where life could not be sustained. There is turmoil and uh, formlessness, a desert wilderness of chaos. This is the world before. Oftentimes, um, When we come to Genesis, we think of God creating something out of nothing. But I want to make sure that we are following what the authors are writing here and what they're intending to communicate. So I think that verse 1 is actually a title of this passage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I think that the creation account actually starts in verse 2. We have a nice bold, maybe in your Bibles, you have a bold that says the creation of the world before the verses start, but in the original manuscripts, that wasn't there. So I think that verse one is a a title of sorts. And then um, verse two starts the creation account. And I I still believe that whatever was there, because we see that something is there in verse two, the earth, which is there. God still created that. But the focus of this passage is not God making something out of nothing. Instead, uh, what does God do in creation in these verses? He takes what is void, uninhabitable, a wilderness where nothing can thrive, and he brings out of it order and beauty. Ultimately, he makes the garden a place where humans can flourish and where humanity is supposed to have perfect, harmonious relationship with their creator. God made something perfect out of something without form, void, and darkness. The world needed God's intervention in order for there to be life, to be humanity, uh, for there to be hope. And what was the first step in bringing this hope? It was light. God created the light from the tohu vavohu as a part of making a world that could sustain life, that would be beautiful and where humanity could grow. And so this brings us to our second question. God created the light, and what does that light do? Verses 3 through 5 say, uh, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, it's sometimes hard to read the Bible and separate uh, the knowledge that we have in this 21st century of how the world works. Uh, we grew up with certain science classes and observing the world around us, and it's only natural that we maybe bring that knowledge with us into the scriptures, um, And here in this passage in the creation, but let's remember that this, uh, your Bibles are an ancient text written by ancient authors, uh, and I'm assuming they didn't grow up in science class, um, or have the knowledge that we do about the world. We have uh, such sophisticated and developed ideas when it comes to light. When I say light, I'm sure things already come to your mind. Uh, Things like the light switch at home on the wall or the the light on your phone or headlights or the Christmas lights that we'll be seeing all over the place this month. And we roughly have an idea of how light works. Uh, There are these teeny tiny energy packets uh, called photons and they have waves and rays, and they can be focused in certain directions, and we can measure distances by light. Um, So we we, we actually know a lot about light. But when we come to this text, as it is written, I don't think we see all that science. We see God create light, and what does he call it? It's not the Hebrew word for photons, by the way. He calls it day, and we know what day is. Day is a term for telling when things happen. It's the most basic way of organizing time. And so this light brought order and time and and it brought a sense of beginning. And who is responsible for that beginning? God. The light is the first part of the order that God brings out of the chaos and uninhabitable wilderness. So what do we notice about this light? This light was spoken into existence directly by God. So we see that from that creation, the things of this world are under God's control, his power. Um, They yield to his authority as creator. So we see that God is above his creation. Light is separated from darkness. God separates the two. I'm not sure what it looked like before that moment that he separated it, but they're separated now. And we have... uh, day from the light and we have night from the darkness and so again we see more order being brought um, and we have the beginning and start of time and light is the first in this creation account light ushers in the rest of the beauty and allows for the rest of the order that God will create this is where light brings life plants and animals and, and humanity light comes first I think all of this, what light does for our world, points towards hope. Because without light, there is no hope for anything that followed. And I see incredible wisdom and design from our Creator in that. We need light. Uh, Light has an effect on the world around us. We see that with plants and photosynthesis and how they grow, and the oceans with their tides, and they need day and night. And light affects us too as humans the days, the day and light affect our mood and, quite frankly, our sanity. There are places in the world uh, that don't get light for many hours of the day during certain seasons. Maybe some of you have been to those places. I remember talking to someone who moved to Alaska to be a teacher, uh, and they were saying that they met a lot of people that could not handle the winter months and uh, had to move. They would temporarily just Move somewhere else, just to not be there, because um, there is such a drastic adjustment with the sense of time being all out of sorts. And they mentioned for themselves that it was it was really hard to get used to. Uh, I think they're they've been there for four or five years now. Um, but it's it's just without day is is weird. It's not normal. We are meant to live, uh, we are not meant to live just in darkness, but we are meant to be exposed and live in the light in day in God's creation. So, because of God's intervention in the midst of chaos, void, and darkness, uh, we have hope. It starts with light, and that light is good. And that brings us to our third question What does this tell us about God? Verse 4 says, And God saw that the light was good. We've talked about the light, so let's focus on what this tells us about God. Verse 4 tells us that he approved of what he had done, what he had created. And so from this we can conclude that what God does is good. Throughout the rest of the creation account. the the creation account here in Genesis, we see uh, seven times God say the phrase um, or the author say the phrase and God saw that it was good. I'm sure we've uh, had similar experiences, uh, whether it's some project at home or an assignment at work or uh, a paper for school or maybe just recently at Thanksgiving where uh, you have put effort and energy and intentionality behind something and it was accomplished, it was finished, it was completed, and, um, and it feels good. Maybe you did this at your Thanksgiving table. Did you kind of step back or gather around the table and look at all the food that people had prepared um, and just kind of recognize this looks really good? Or maybe you just did like me and dove in and ate and appreciated later the effort. Um, at the end of your work, have you ever had that moment of stepping back and just kind of looking at something and, and not, I, I tend to nod when I do this, but I nod and say, that looks good. I, I did good. That is good. Whatever that is, there's just this moment of approval and satisfaction in what had happened. Becky and I just had that recently. We put up our tree at home. I know maybe we're early I don't know where you guys are at on trees going up at Christmas but we did it Thanksgiving night mostly out of boredom it was just because we were bored at home Um, not for a need but after putting it up and decorating with our very few (laughs) ornaments we stepped back and said man that looks good Um, now what makes that dish or project or whatever it is you made good it's the fact that you determined its worth uh, and value. You saw in it and deemed it good. Now, some things are subjectively good. Some, someone may have made some wonderful yams for Thanksgiving for wherever you were at. Yams are not my favorite. And while you have deemed them good, I may have deemed them, meh, I don't know. I'm kidding, of course. Yams are good; they're great. They're still just at the bottom of like if there's a list, they'd be at the the bottom. What I'm trying to say is that not all things are subjectively good. There is objective good, and that objective good comes from God. When it comes to creation, uh, God isn't just sharing his opinion about what he did, but stating fact. He is stating truth. We can know something is is good because God has given it its worth. God is the source of goodness, and we see that um, the light is good because he gives his nod of approval. Him seeing that it was good uh, meant that God was satisfied with what he had done. He spoke the light into existence, and God made the light good. What does this tell us about God? Well, it says that God's words carry power, they add value they give something it's worth and God's words are, are true. It means that when God speaks, we need to pay attention. And here in Genesis, God uses his words to create and give value to do something good, but uh, doesn't he do the same in our lives today? Through, um, through his word, the Bible here, God brings us life, can affirm what is good and define what is not good God's words are are powerful, and just as powerful today as they were when he created the world. So when God speaks, we need to pay attention. What else does this passage tell us about God? Well, the authors of Genesis are trying to establish in our minds and in our hearts that God is a good God, and what he does and what he brings about, what comes from him is good. The, The authors of the Bible are uh, my professor once called them literary ninjas, and they are continuously, purposefully, intentionally writing things in there to, that you see, um, and one of those things is a pattern. There's patterns, and this is one of those patterns, that God saw that it was good, and so that when we ever, whenever we see that, it should bring us back to a moment, another time that we saw it, and so just this creation account is full of this pattern and the authors are trying to get us to recognize this that what God does is good like I mentioned before we see it seven times in this creation account the world that he created, the order and beauty that came out of the tohu vavohu the chaos and uninhabitable uninhabitable world is good and so this reflects upon who God is, that he is good Our God, who is a good God, does good. Why are the authors trying to instill this into our hearts and minds? I think it's because they know that at some point in our lives, we will need to remember this. Humanity will need to remember and know and have hope from the fact that out of the world without form, void, and darkness, God created something beautiful and brought order, it made it, and made it possible for there to be life God brought hope and all of us need that hope so as we continue discovering the light of the world looking towards our God of hope this is where I want to leave us for today do we remember is it ingrained in our hearts and in our minds that God is good and what he does is good Do we know deep down that the God of creation, who brought order and beauty out of chaos, is the God of our lives today? The light that God made brought hope for the rest of life, the rest of creation, and God offers us hope in our lives. Think about this. If God can take a world that was formless and void and dark, a place where nothing could survive, nothing could live, a wilderness of chaos, and make a beautiful garden for harmonious relationship with him, what can he do in your life? Sometimes our lives seem empty and void or bleak and dark, stressful and chaotic. Obviously, no one's life is perfect, but there can be seasons that are just especially difficult. Seasons maybe... That some of you are in right now. And even though it's the holidays and it's supposed to be a time of cheer and joy, it may not feel like that for some of us. Sometimes the holidays feel more like a wilderness or a desert, like we are in the midst of living in Tohu Vavohu rather than a garden. And try as we might, we're not always able to make things better on our own strength. We can't always improve our search, our situation or circumstance uh, from our own efforts. There's just a sense of having to go through whatever it is, and that can seem um, can feel hopeless. Have you ever tried to make sense of the chaos? Have you ever tried to make uh, make your life better? I think we all have, in some way or another. And some of our efforts uh, may seem valiant, um, while others are completely useless. But the truth is that without God, there is no hope. And just like the Israelites in the desert, just like the world before the light, and just like our lives today, there's no hope until God intervenes. We'll see this in the weeks to come in our Advent series that God must intervene in the story. We know that God created the garden meant for perfect relationship with his creator, But the world didn't stay how God intended, and sin enters the picture, altering the future forever. We see that man left on his own continues to lead back to the chaos and disorder. And God has to send his son to be the light of the world, to bring beauty and life to humanity's dark and chaotic destiny. But today we are to remember what the authors are trying to ingrain in us from our passage that God is good and what he does is good. I want to remind all of us today that the God we worship is the God of creation. And if God can bring life and beauty and order out of the chaotic formless void then surely God can bring something orderly beautiful and full of life new and fresh out of your stressful and chaotic situation. Because God brings hope. God brings light. And as we'll see in the coming weeks, God brings true life. Let's pray. God, thank you for being a good God that does good. And thank you for being good to us. We don't deserve it. May we remember, Lord, that no matter what our life looks like we can always depend on you we can know that you are capable even when we are not we can know that you're the creator and we are your creation your words are powerful and of hope and life and in the coming weeks Lord as we look deeper into this story I just pray that our appreciation for what you've done for us for the sacrifice of your son Lord that that would grow And we would come to praise you more and more as we grow closer and closer to you. We are so thankful. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.